Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we take you to school with the ABCs of The Legend of Zelda. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going so good. Yep. Always a treat to be in your presence, Patrick. It is. Uh, likewise, I feel it is a treat to be in your presence. As I was introing the episode, I thought, do we need to take this again? Is ABZs better than ABCs? <laughs> oh, Is ABZs no. of Zelda better? Oh, Maybe, but we'll never know for sure. No, because we're never going to try it. <laughs> and maybe that's what we did originally, and this is just me like second-guessing ourselves, and this is the second take. Like, you don't know. Yeah. It's the illusion of podcasting. Ooh. Speaking of the illusion of podcasting, one of the not illusions that you can participate in with this podcast is the Sonic Forces Borrowing Program. Uh, notably, TT. Truly tangible. Truly. <laughs> truly. <laughs> uh, if you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, so there is a rather long list at this point, uh, and a lot of people who uh, wrote in with reviews um, were like, hey, let me also get on that Sonic Forces list. So the list is long, but you want to get on it anyway. Email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and send us a mailing address where I can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. You play the game for as long as you want. You uh, are done with that. And then you send it back. And Patrick pays for postage. Yeah. But two ways. It costs you nothing. Nothing. Here's the thing that might cost you a little bit of money. Who knows? Um, we are doing another Classics Month in April. We are playing the Super NES classics the stone cold amazing games every thursday we'll be playing a new snes classic uh on the second we're playing link to the past on the ninth we're playing super metroid on the 16th we're playing yoshi's island and on the 24th we are playing Star Fox. and why are we telling you this right now it's because we want to give you an opportunity to play along with us yep play ahead send a send us any thoughts you have on the game, any questions you have, anything like that. Yeah, we want this to be a uh, participatory thing. So if you are playing these games or if you just remember playing them uh, and want to uh, you know, be involved with the episode, email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com or tweet at us. We are at Nincart Society on Twitter. Mark, we've got uh, a, a little bit of... I, I feel like this is going to be an undertaking. It could be. All right, let's get into it right now. We are determining the ABCs, ABCs, <laughs> of The Legend of Zelda. Maybe that was also a second take. Yeah, nobody knows. Um, Mark, uh, why, don't, why don't you lay out what, what we're going to do here? Yeah, so... Um, I listen to a Star Wars podcast called Blast Points. Mark listens to several Star Wars podcasts. This I is do. One of I the do. Star yeah. Wars podcasts. It's an he, excellent yes. podcast. And uh, this year they're doing 
kind of like uh, a retrospective on the entire Skywalker saga. Yeah. So all the films. And they started with The Phantom Menace. And they had not too long ago talked about Attack of the Clones. And so what they, dis- what they did for the Attack of the Clones episode is they did Attack of the Clones A to Z, where uh, it's two hosts and each of them came up with something f- related to Attack of the Clones for every letter of the alphabet. And I, it's such a great episode. I encourage everybody to seek it out um, if you're interested in Star Wars. <laughs> if you're not, right, it's going to go, be good, like thin gruel. Right. That, yeah. that is a good qualifier. <laughs> a is for Anakin. <laughs> yeah. And so on. Yes. Um, and so I thought it'd be fun if we do something similar for a series that we both love. The Legend of Zelda. Right. And a series that we both love that isn't Star Wars, because we also could have done that. <laughs> yes. Um, so now we have uh, taken Zelda as a whole. Um, I, I was realizing as I was putting this list together that there are a couple of wells I go back to over and over mm-hmm. again, uh, one of them being Breath of the Wild. Um, and that feels appropriate as we are basically hovering around the three-year anniversary um, of the game right now. Um, so I was like, you know what? Just lean into it. Um, and so not all of my answers are Breath of the Wild. In fact, maybe half-ish. Um, but uh, yeah, we both came up with our own list of A to Z. Um, so I think we'll bring up the letter uh, and then we'll kind of alternate. Uh, Mark gives one and then I'll, he'll give his A, I'll give my A, and we'll go back and forth until uh, we make our way through the alphabet. Yeah, until we've exhausted the alphabet. That's And maybe oh. there will be at the end a special heretofore unknown letter. Oh. No, I, I don't really have anything in the end. <laughs> like something that starts, I was just like teasing, yeah, you know, like sure. keep people interested. Something that starts with like an Enye or an Interobang. <laughs> okay. Uh, Starting at the beginning of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the letter A. Mark, what do you got for A? I have analog stick. Oh. So the reason this was my choice is because... um. When we talk about the super, the Nintendo 64, yes, it's hard to talk about it without like the controller and what a weird, especially look at the time it was weird and looking back on it, it's especially weird. But yes. for a first shot at like an analog stick, it's pretty successful. Sure, right? You have um, Super Mario 64, which basically set the standard for and out of the gate set the standard for how a 3D platformer would control and set a standard that uh was so seldom met at that point yeah like and really uh yeah just just very seldom met it was from time to time the obviously like the banjo kazooie games uh um donkey kong 64 like all kind of achieve it but like basically by ripping it off wholesale you well yeah yeah for like the first one out of the gate it's remarkable and then nintendo's first party did again just a few years later by uh, nailing the control scheme for a 3D action game. Yes, with the Ocarina of Time. Um, that that's interesting. Uh, that I mean, yes, the uh, the analog stick is a big part of that, but the Z trigger, the Z targeting, is like the other big, big part. Yeah, a hundred percent. The game wouldn't be like the combat parts of the game wouldn't be possible without the Z targeting. Yeah. Um, which didn't exist. Yeah, the idea of that like lock on and being able to like rotate the camera and always have it like centered behind you. Yeah, it's really remarkable that how well it holds up even today. Like it is weird holding a, a Nintendo 64 controller. The weirdest. In this day and age. Um 
But once you like get into the groove of it, it makes perfect sense. It it really does, which is like incredible. Okay, I have a new pitch for the top of the show. Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, from analog sticks to Z triggers, we're doing the ABCs <laughs> of Zelda. That would have been good, but it's not what we did. My A, I went for a Breath of the Wild in-universe specific. I'm going with Akala, which is the area of the map that is the like north east uh, portion of the map um that's where the akala laboratory is where you like start to like forge all of the um like ancient weaponry and the armor sets um this is also where the akala highlands are which is one of the places i remember uh being like face to face with lionels in a way that i could not deal um and it also has uh the coolest labyrinth in the game as far as i'm concerned um the one where you, it's like just out on an island oh in like the middle yeah nowhere, and you have to just like and it's like really stormy it's really rain. stormy mm-hmm. yeah um and this is all it's the same labyrinth where uh you get to the middle and then fall like forever uh and you're in this enormous room where there are guardians everywhere and like half of them wake up and right start and like you. one treasure chest yeah that was the first labyrinth that i discovered me too too. and uh like the rest of them were fine yeah but it definitely like um was the highlight of like the labyrinths yeah for me 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 too like that that one was just it was so scary when i fell into the thing at the bottom and you're just in yeah because guardians at that point i was not like by the end of the game you're pretty okay yeah you're carving through and it was just like guardians not a big of a deal at this point i was I hadn't done any of the Divine Beasts yet. Like, I was so underpowered. Not yeah. underpowered, but, like, Guardians scared me. Yeah. Well, they're scary. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, just uh, the... the I, I This wasn't one that I had to... Um, you know, I, we said maybe we would discuss our processes and maybe, maybe we will, uh, like we both, I think use the Zelda wiki a little bit just to like kind of get inspiration. Um, but Akala and the Akala Highlands, um, is just one of those areas in Breath of the Wild that is burned into my brain that I don't need any prompting to remember, remember the name of. It was also such a cool area because, um, yeah, like outside of the labyrinth, it's, their areas are like really grassy. And so it's the first area I encountered where there was a lot of lightning. Mm-hmm. and where you i would be like trying to get to like uh like a shrine or something in that area and uh you know you're just like running as fast as you can and you you're unequipping yeah, yeah 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 like it, i man that uh that part of the game also really stands out for me as well uh so b i'll go first now. sure um so for b i chose the boomerang um which is a classic zelda item it is one of those things that like um as soon as i get it i'm like oh sweet boomerang i got it especially in a 2d zelda i guess there's a little bit less uh functionality in 3d zeldas um that it's really more of like a puzzle solving Mm -hmm. item um but in 2d zelda man give me that boomerang and i'm just going to wield it to like knock things over and stun them and collect hearts because i don't want to walk over to that (laughs) side of the room to pick up five rupees no way I'm going to toss the boomerang. Um, and then the boomerang is also a, a like magical, hidden, super secret item in uh, Link's Awakening uh, that you have to go through. I, I think it's the end of the, the fetch quest. Um, no, I guess maybe it's just like part of the fetch quest or you're like you can use the... Here's what it is. Um, through the fetch quest uh, where you're trading things, the trading game, you eventually get the uh, magnifying glass 
which you have to use to uh, beat the game. But then also you can see like an invisible merchant who will trade you one of your items for this magical boomerang. Oh, I don't think I knew that. I don't think I've ever done that. It's a crazy secret thing, uh, and it's super powerful. They make it so it's uh, like damage at double the rate of your sword. And you throw it, and it's uh, you know, it's amazing. Um, so I just like that they took the boomerang in one game, and they were like, "Yeah, it's gonna be like w- crazy OP." Might be okay. I went through a couple here. The first one that I was like, "Do I want to talk about Beetle?" It, I'm cheating because I'm like, yeah, I'm bringing them up even though they're not my bit, yeah. yeah, Beetle, um, one of my favorite NPCs. No. Blue tunic, my favorite tunic, mm. um, color wise. And then but what I settled on was bosses. Because uh. I think it's really hard to talk about Zelda games and not talk about its boss fights. Which Zelda game has the best boss fights? Oh man, I really like Twilight Princess. Me too. Twilight Princess does such a good job of uh, like introducing the item, making you use it in the dungeon, and then you have to use it against the boss. Yeah. And it has some really cool items too, like that mm-hmm. like disc thing that you oh, can yeah, spin the around gear? on. Yeah, and, the and, gear. And the giant ball and chain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I just think like The Legend of Zelda as a series has so many iconic bosses. And yes, like there is a formula, right? You like get the weapon. You have to, yeah. uh, a lot of times using that weapon is most effective. They probably have a glowing eyeball. You're going to try to like hit the eyeball. Totally. But um, the way that they like occasionally bend the formula or just like some of the inventiveness of like the visuals of the bosses have, and it has some outstanding of all video game series has that most outstanding Ganondorf death. Oh, yeah, a- a- absolutely. Oh, what are you saying in Wind Waker? Yeah, like oh, that's like man. my favorite one for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I don't want to talk about it too much because we may have some mm-hmm. uh, individual bosses uh, yes. on, on our list as as we continue. But I think it is is great to point out that like one of the things that you are promised with a Zelda dungeon is a boss at the end, mm-hmm. um, and that. Uh, seeing the boss and experiencing the boss fight is going to be a mini set piece all on its own, uh, and it's going to feel great and is fun. Uh, moving on to C, Mark. So my C is uh, the Kukos. Yeah, Kukos. The chickens yeah. that first appeared in A Link to the Past. You bet. And have just kind of like persisted throughout the series. But specifically, the thing I love about Kukos yes. is that if you hit them enough times, yes. they will attack you. When that, uh, when I realized that that was the case, it's just one of those delightful details yeah. that you come to expect from like Nintendo games. Yes, one hundred percent. That that it is like a, uh, it's funny when you first accidentally hit the hit the cuckoo, um, because like it makes a little noise and like yeah. runs away and like feathers kind of fly and around. it almost encourages you to do it more. Yeah, and it's then funny. like the first and then you do it. A lot more times. Yeah. And then you get swarmed by them. I love that it is, and they deal damage to you as as they're hitting you. And I love that uh, the game is so chaotic about it because they're like, whatever, I don't know, 20 cuckoos swarm you. <laughs> and the game cannot handle it. It slows Talking down. Talking about A Link to the Past? Yeah, A Link yeah. to the Past cannot, uh, there's so much slowdown <laughs> from the number of cuckoos that are like attacking you um, that the game's like, no, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> More cuckoos. Yeah, I don't care. You're being punished. And I like that, yeah, it started in Link to the past and it's just like continued that any game yes. with kukos basically has 
uh, this like they'll just all attack you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they appear in in Smash Brothers, and it's the same basic thing that like as an assist trophy, right? Uh huh. Um, That like it's a chicken, and like if you don't touch it, everyone's fine. (laughs) But as soon as as soon as someone hits it, then they're out for blood. Yeah. Um, my letter C is Madame Couture from the Triforce Heroes. She is the fashion designer, um, where you go to get your, uh, you get your new costumes. Um, and so like the, the whole thing about Triforce Heroes is that you are going into these, uh, like dungeon trial things, um, to earn rupees or they must be rupees, um, that you spend on these new costumes that you get from her. and. Like, it could be such, like, a just transactional thing of, like, you see a list and you buy it. Um, But, like, this woman has, like, this big, boisterous personality uh, and, like, sings when you walk in and, like, shows you over to, like, the dressing room. Um, And she's just a cool part of what makes um, Hytopia a, like, interesting and unique setting or Triforce Heroes, a game that I still think gets like kind of the uh, the rough end of the like the short straw. And in our episode a few months back, where we ranked the uh, or maybe determined the best Zelda Overworld, I yes. can't remember if we ranked them or just de- definitively determined the best one. Uh, Hytopia made it pretty far. It did because of its like unique fashion focused nature. Yeah, and I think I mean the uh, the princess in that whose name escapes me right now. Is uh, focused on fashion, um, but so too is uh, Madame Couture. Mm-hmm. And so, like, th- they wouldn't, they, they are the fashion identity of uh, Hytopia. So, moving on to D. Yeah, I go first this time. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, well, we we're Oh, that's on, right. right. Of course. Um, so, I gotta go with Daruk, baby, uh, the Goron champion from the days of yore in Breath of the Wild. Um, he is, uh, first of all, I love all the champions, right? They're, they're all great. Um, but Daruk has got this, like, all right, guys, let's just, like, <laughs> he's, he's like if Matt Acevedo were a Goron, <laughs> right? And, like, wanted to fight by your side. Um, that he's just, like, jovial and, like, ready to go at it. And he's got this giant sword. Um, Daruk rules. Too ba- I, I also really like Daruk. Too bad that, like, the approach to um his divine beast yeah is a little bit of a bummer he's probably my least favorite approach where you yeah. have to like shoot him yeah me too well and it's also um the modern day goron champion isn't or like oh the main you're goron, right you know. you're right it's i a totally different character. Yeah, yeah 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 you're totally right yeah um yeah daruk is a great pick so uh, i have another kind of like broader one for my d which is you're just, going so broad i is, love it which is dungeons yes because also, you know, like you, uh, you can't talk about the Legend of Zelda outside of Breath of the Wild without yeah. talking about dungeons, and even you can't really talk about Breath of the Wild without, without talking about dungeons. About yeah, dungeons. because the absence of dungeons mm-hmm. was one of the biggest changes in that game. But yeah, like, um, the Legend of Zelda series is known for its just like intricately designed dungeons, and the ones that are like m- memorable and my favorite are ones that kind of like. They fold back over on themselves, but not in a way where it feels like you're, yeah. like you're backtracking, but where like you're just like seeing old areas of the dungeon in new ways. Yeah. Twi- again, Twilight Princess is very good at this. Um, there are so many dungeons in Twilight Princess that uh, like where you're kind of just weaving back and forth over the same 
uh, like set of rooms uh, like around a hub room um, but it is different every time for like there's the water one that's like that there's the snowy mountain peak that's like that um, even the one where you get the two claw shots it's a lot like that mm-hmm. um, yeah the, the the dungeons in the Zelda series are the best uh, so that means E Mark I have E3 as my E uh-huh. and it's because to my mind the Legend of the Zelda series uh, is tied so strongly to the Skyward, not Skyward Sword, the Twilight Princess reveal in 2004. It was the first time that I was like cognizant really of like what E3 was and like what it meant to the industry. Sure. And, um, you know, after Wind Waker now has a really great reputation at the time of its like reveal and release, you know, there was a little bit of grumbling about the cell shading and, you know, people wanted a more quote unquote mature Zelda. Well, and that was partially because of what we had seen at uh, Space World was the name of the convention um, where they showed off this like really realistic looking like 3D rendered Zelda or Link fighting Ganon. Um, and so that's what everyone assumed was next for the series. And instead they're like, nah, <laughs> nah, it's cartoon. And so in 2004 at E3, uh, we got the reveal for Twilight Princess, and it was that, like, uh, more adult-looking, yeah. you know, kind of like the continuation of what people were expecting after Ocarina of Time. Totally. And people went crazy for the trailer. And then Shigeru Miyamoto comes out on stage with uh, the shield and, oh, and sword, the sword from the That's series. right. I forgot about that. Um, wearing, like, a one-up shirt. And everyone just like lost their minds. Uh, that that's amazing. And I think the other uh, like the other thing that connects E three to Zelda so much is that like if there's a new Zelda game, it is going to be how Nintendo anchors their E three, right? Um, and they maybe messed it up a little bit last year because <laughs> they were like, oh, we didn't know people would be so interested in uh, Link's Awakening. But then they kind of turned it around and were like, oh no, this is its own separate area. This is a separate line for this. <laughs> the other part that. Um... I associate Zelda with really strongly with E3. It's like, I feel like, uh, you know, around the Wii era, towards the end of the Wii era, Nintendo kind of had weird E3s, or I guess their way of just like interacting with the press and with their fans wasn't as, um, I feel like Nintendo does better in directs than they do in totally. like live presentations. And well, I think it was also a, just a tough time for them as well, because they were communicating directly to their like core audience but they were make they were making products to appease not that core but audience. I, I think their 2009 E3 was actually pretty like they um that was the one where they showed off Super Mario Galaxy 2 and I think they revealed Metroid Other M. So actually it was yeah. one of their stronger like Wii era and E3s. the vitality sensor. <laughs> yeah. It was one of their stronger Wii era E3s. But then uh afterwards they had this kind of like bizarre press conference thing and um, in like a small like hotel conference room, and at the end of it, because people were like, uh, "What's next for Zelda?" and they didn't talk about it, but they had a piece of artwork from what would eventually be Skyward Sword. Oh yes, and it was like Zelda without a sword, or Link, excuse me, yeah. Link without a sword. Um, his back turned, like looking over his shoulder, and then fee fi yeah, um, foe, <laughs> uh, standing like in front of him and obviously there was no context as to uh what was going on 
but yeah, that that was just kind of like I don't know. It it just to me is very emblematic of kind of like the weird communication that Nintendo yeah. had with its fans at this time. Uh, for my E, I chose egg, specifically a cuckoo egg, um, like the one that you have to bring to Talon to wake him up um, in Ocarina of Time. It is such a weird little sequence in the game that does uh, maybe slow it down a little more than it should. Um, but like you have to get the egg from his daughter um, and like bring it to him and he's asleep and you have to be there when the sun rises so it hatches <laughs> and crows. Um, it's just such a weird... It's one of those... like. How is how is the logic? How does the logic work in the Zelda universe? Um, but is just like delightful and fun. Uh, and so I chose egg. Uh, I'm moving on to F uh, because I'm happy with my F. It is the fused shadow from Twilight Princess. Do you remember what this no, is? No, I don't. So these are the items that you are collecting in the first couple dungeons uh, that you use to. The, it's like an ancient relic that is. Um, or was a like weapon in like the original war in the twilight realm and midna uses it to get rid of zant um like the villain that you perceived to be the villain at that point in the game um like one of the pieces of the fused shadow is the thing that's on her head um so it's this like crazy weird helmet um and plays into all of the design elements in uh twilight princess that are like at once appealing and kind of like off-putting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so like connected to Midna in that way. I just think it's really cool. Oh yeah, that's a really good poll. So my F is Firekeys, the worst version of the worst enemy yep. in the entire Zelda series. Um, bad enemies in video games in Across general. Across the board. No good. They're the ice levels of enemies. That's right. We do not want them. They're the escort missions of enemies. <laughs> when they are on fire, bad enemies are even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, if I never had to encounter a, another fire keys, and look, I know that God put him on Hyrule. That's right. For some greater purpose that I don't understand. But if I had my druthers, I'd get rid of them. Very good. G. G, I have glitches. Oh, interesting. For like speedrunning purposes? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Um, one Especially, of my... oh my gosh, Ocarina of Time is like, it it's is so, so glitchy. Yeah. yeah, like all of those early N64 games are so broken um, because, you know, they were doing it for the first time and they were really cobbling it together. Right. Well, and like, to be fair, uh, the people who have broken Ocarina of Time are trying to break it. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But uh, yeah, my favorite stretch of any games done quick is when they have like a Zelda block and you see like people running Majora's Mask and then Majora's Mask 3D and how like those are different. And just like the ways that they are able to completely break these games is like so it's really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, through a glitch, you can see uh, an R-Wing from uh, Star Fox in in uh ocarina of time oh really yeah uh there was one they use it to like test the camera or something gotcha. yeah yeah the, the targeting in, in the uh kakariko or not kakariko um the uh in the forest mm-hmm. that's not kakariko it's the other one anyway in that village uh there's you can have like a uh <laughs> our wing fly around uh there was an i've uh recently i watched a lot of like older gdq runs so i can't remember if it was in like this most recent 
uh, AGDQ or like in one of the ones from the past. But basically, there was a swordless. Well, I'll, gi- I'll give you a couple seconds to figure out which it is. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, one of the, a swordless original Legend of Zelda run. Whoa! It was was really cool. It was that glitchy too, or I uh, I don't. There weren't like a ton of major glitches. It yeah, was okay. just like um, taking advantage of systems in the game. Yeah. To like knowing um, that after killing like a certain number of enemies without being hit, you got bombs, and so they used bombs for like a ton of stuff. Oh. Like it was. It's really cool. I recommend looking at it. So um, glitches is my G. My G. I'm going basic here. Gorons, baby. Um, it is. Uh, it's interesting how much of Zelda. Like what we know as Zelda lore is established in Ocarina of Time and then iterated on uh, throughout the course of the series, um, and is so specific. Like Gorons don't have a basis in other mythology, right? Like I guess maybe they're a little bit dwarves, but also they're not. They are into music and they're huge and like they eat rocks. Like what are they? <laughs> um, they're and they always have these amazing big personalities. Um, where like so much of Zelda can be kind of like stuffed into like characters being regal. Um, you know, like that the Hylians are all very like hoity-toity, and the Zora, you know, have this like uh sense of honor and whatever. And the Gorons, maybe they have honor too, but like. They're out to have a good time. I, I, I love Gorons, and I love that they're like a cornerstone now of what makes a Zelda game a Zelda game. Oh, uh, so now, now I, I'm going first for, for H. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I guess I'm staying in like the big dumb giant realm. I'm going with the Hinox. Oh, nice. Um, Hinox, of course, are the uh, Cyclopses. Um, I think you first encounter them in A Link to the Past uh, when you go into the Dark World for like the when you're actually like expelled to the dark world, not your first little foray into it. Um, and they are throwing bombs and they take so much damage. <laughs> um, and then of course, in breath of the wild, they are just these colossi that you stumble on and you're like, okay, what do I, he's got like a sword around his neck. Oh man. In uh breath of the wild, I think the first one I encountered was on, Oh man, I'm blanking out, but that I, the Island. Oh yeah. Eventide. Eventide Island. Yeah. And so, a rough place to encounter yep. your first uh, high knocks. Uh, yeah, and there there's just so many ways to like approach them, and you know they're usually sleeping when you encounter them, so you can like creep up on them and like steal their stuff if you've got some kind of like stealth boost. Um, but yeah, they're they're just such a cool uh, like part of that universe. What what's your H? My H is Hyrule. Yeah. Um, I love seeing the different versions of Hyrule in different games. One of the things that was really fun about Breath of the Wild, but also happens, you know, to a lesser extent in some of the older games, especially like the modern older games from Wind Waker on, yeah. is seeing how they honor the high rules of like past games and incorporate some of it into uh, the current game. Breath of the Wild, of course, being the king of that, yeah. where they were just um, taking from so much of Zelda history and mashing it up. So like, you know, like, uh, even now people are finding, you know, like relics or, um, the architecture of like ruins yeah. that represent like previous Zelda games. Yeah. Well, like the, the temple of time is in there. Uh, Lan Lan ranch is in there. Um, it, uh, there's, oh, uh, uh, 
the the island that you start on in Wind Waker, like that oh, town uh-huh, is also uh-huh. there. Like, yeah, there's there is just a uh, there's a lot of uh, Hyrule past in Breath of the Wild. I honestly don't think that is uh, restricted to sort of like the later games, though, because there is a part of Hyrule in Zelda Two. Oh, you're that right. is a recreation of the original Zelda map. Yeah. Um. So like, it is as far as I'm concerned, that is part of the series DNA of like riffing on the space that is Hyrule. And I guess even, you know, like the dialogue between a link to the past and a link between worlds. Yeah. Is kind of doing some of that same thing. Um I, Mark, instruments. Oh, so good. Another huge part of Zelda, not mm-hmm. just of course the Ocarina, the Wind Waker, um the Deku pipes, but also like I think when I think of instruments, I think so much of everything that's happening in Link's Awakening. Absolutely. And how at the end of that every moon dungeon, cello, baby. yeah, you're getting another cool instrument. Um, hearing the song of the Windfish being played with that instrument, and then at the end, it all comes together in this like really beautiful melody that, of course, is a little bit sad because you know that you're nearing the end of your adventure. Yeah. Um. Uh. For reasons I'm not going to uh, expand on right now, I'm going to move on to my eye, okay? Uh, which is the ice rod from A Link to the Past, because this is one of those uh, items in Link to the Past that is wholly optional. It is it, it casts magic that freezes things, and then when they're frozen, you can pick them up and like throw them around. And when I say things, I mean enemies. Um, and it is not uh, an item that you come across in a dungeon. It's just in an ice cave somewhere. And it makes your journey maybe a little bit easier. It's not that useful of an item. All it really does is like color your experience in a different way if you want to use it. Uh, plus, it's using up magic, so you're like, that's a. I don't necessarily want to be blowing through my magic supply if I want to like, you know, use my cape or mm-hmm. you know whatever. Um, but it's just a, a weird little. Uh, it's a weird little curiosity in that game. So that was my I, now my J. Uh, gotta go with Lord Jabu Jabu. Uh, the giant fish god thing <laughs> in Ocarina of Time where you venture inside his belly because he has accidentally swallowed a Zora princess. Um, I know we ranked that dungeon pretty low a couple of years ago when we ranked the uh, Ocarina of Time dungeons. Uh-huh. Um, but I still really like it. I mean, no knocks on it for being unmemorable. Like, yes. It is a memorable dungeon. Yeah. yeah. And also like, hey. I'm going to love me a big fish. <laughs> Speaking of which, like, the way you get to it, right, is, like, you're talking to the king, who is an enormous fish, yes. and then he, like, wiggles out <laughs> of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to just sit there for, like, a minute and a half. <laughs> While he does yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> marvel <laughs> as the fish wiggles out of the way. And then you have to catch a little fish and put it in front of Lord Jebu Jebu, <laughs> and then he sucks you in. Mark, what's your J? Uh, jumping. And, you know, like, being memorable for the absence of, like, a jump button outside of, um, really, like, the portable games, you got some, like... The Rock's Feather. The Rock's Feather, uh, first in Link's Awakening, which, annoying in the original version of of that game, because you just always want to be able to jump in Link's Awakening, and so to have to, like, switch out that as your item all the time, big improvement in the um, Switch remake. But then, like... I this the series is mostly known for your inability to jump. Again, this is some Zelda 2 erasure on Mark's part. <laughs> I'm not saying entirely because again, it comes back in a big way in Breath of the Wild. Totally. Right, but like um from a link to the past 
through Skyward Sword, like jumping is something that happens automatically for you. Right, when but, you approach a cliffside. Yeah, yeah, at like speed, basically. Um, but it be it they turned that around so much for Breath of the Wild where like it became such an integral move. Yeah. You you had like I can't obviously that game couldn't exist if you didn't have the ability to like jump. To jump and climb and glide. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's your uh, J. What's your K? Uh, Kakariko Village. Oh, Kakariko Village. Yes. Um, Another like foundational part of like Hyrule. Exactly. And you're always kind of excited to see how it is going to show up, where it is going to show up. And when it doesn't show up, it is notable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I, I love that it is uh, like it has an identity that is separate from, you know, it's different from Hyrule Castle always. Uh, and it's always different from like the village where you start, mm-hmm. um, or like the where, wherever it is you start in the game. That it is a village you come across at some point, and it's always important and like a little bit bustling, but it's not like and always kind of a safe haven. Yes, yes. Like uh, you yeah. know, if you've reached a Kakariko village, that you are like safe. You can right. do things here. Yes. <laughs> you can buy some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can probably get some heart containers somewhere <laughs> if you look hard enough. Um, for my K, I just went with the Koroks. Um, again, it turned into a huge part of the game in uh, Breath of the Wild, where you are finding nine hundred of them hidden throughout the world. Um, and I, I love their designs. Yeah, their designs perfect. And um, when you're in the forest, like Korok forest yeah. or whatever, yeah, the lost like, woods. They are so cute in that game. They're super cute. I mean, they are. They they don't appear in too many Zelda games, right? It's just that and Wind Waker, mm-hmm. um, because they're sort of the uh, the Wind Waker version of the Kokiri, um, and I it it's I feel like they perfected it there, where they were like, oh, we don't need these like children of the forest, like that's a confusing. Yeah, they look kind of like humans, but like Link is being mistaken for one because he's a child. Like all of it's a little uh, weird. Um, and the, uh, like, Korok design is just so cute. And it, it's so, like, Gib- Studio Gib- Ghibli- yes. Ghibli-esque. Yeah. A- absolutely. Yeah, Makar is the cutest. <laughs> oh, my God, his, his face is just a big leaf. Yeah. Um, which moves us on to L, my L. Um, I'm pulling a character on this one, a character from the Phantom Hourglass. I'm going with Linebeck, baby. He is the pirate captain who uh, mans the ship that you are sailing around in Phantom Hourglass. Um, and he has got this personality where, like, he wants you to know that he's, like, an adventuring pirate who doesn't care. But, like, he does. He cares. <laughs> uh, my L is Link and his many forms. Oh, yes. And uh, the reason I chose this is because I've... Like the Legend of Zelda at this point has such a storied history that I think it's so interesting that a Zelda game can be almost anything. Yes. Right? Like in last year, in the same E3, where we got a Breath of the Wild 2 announcement, Breath that looked, you know, like really dark and mysterious, we also got the Link's Awakening remake for Switch that was the total opposite. Everything had such like a friendly, childish like uh toy toy vibe and that the legend of zelda series can be all of these different things and that like link in our head can live side by side in smash brothers like kid link toon link adult link breath of the wild link yeah like we're not confused they're all in there and you're just like yes this is all zelda that is such a huge like remarkable achievement yeah 
That that's great. Uh, what what's your M? Mario Kart Eight. <laughs> because I think it's so uh w- interesting that Link finally made it into a Mario Kart game, and uh even more so than like the Splatoon two characters. You're I at least me. I'm always a little bit like this makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like li- like a little bit like a sore thumb. Like like it, not like in a it bad way, belong. but you're just like yeah. You're just like. There's just like a like is this just weird in a way that I can't really describe. Um. Well, and, and the 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 Hyrule track is great. Um. And the uh the like Epona motorcycle looks really cool. Totally. Um. I, it's fun. Like yeah. it's not like bad. It just feel. It's just like it's interesting. Um. My M is Martha's Bay, which is an area from Link's Awakening it is where you find the stat both the statue of the mermaid and the mermaid herself um and i always just like that little part of the uh trading game where you have to uh get a scale from the mermaid and then like plug it into the statue mm-hmm. um i always really like that um my n got to go with navi um navi is also my n i mean how could you not what I, while trying to get anyone's attention ever in my life, ever, I hear, I hear her voice going, listen. <laughs> and, she, and she's great. And she's the, uh, you know, the, the companion who, uh, like, really teeters on the edge of, is she too annoying or not? Um, I, but, you know, I, I Completely I iconic. Yeah. Uh, so then your O. My O is Ocean King. Temple of the Great. Uh so that's the Wind Waker like dungeon. It's the Phantom Hourglass oh. dungeon that you return to yes. um like five times in the game. And Phantom Hourglass has maybe not the best reputation, but I really like it. I think it's like a really inventive game that does some really cool things. I mean now I mean, Zelda's a ghost. Zelda's a ghost. That's inventive. Um but no, like even there's one puzzle where right, like uh, it's so Phantom Hourglass is for the Nintendo DS, and it takes advantage of the two screens. And one of the way it takes advantage of it is like in some of the puzzles. One of the puzzles you have like a crest or something like that on the top, and you have to figure out a way to get it to the bottom. And the way you actually do it is by closing your 3DS I and then reopening stuff. it, which I think is one of like the most and like that was all over the internet like almost immediately yeah so uh you didn't really have to like discover it for yourself but to me it was one of those like really like clever uses of the hardware um and just like a fun puzzle mechanic that probably we really hadn't seen anything like since the letter in star tropics Mm -hmm. that you know like came in the box that you had to put in water in order to reveal a code to continue on in the game yes um, yes, like having to return to the Temple of the Ocean King can sometimes be a little bit annoying, but I never found it to be as bad as like it's made out to be. Yeah. And I think that it, like, especially for being a DS game and they're, it's all controlled, you know, with like motion controls, which I always found fairly intuitive. And the game is still like really expansive. Like as a sequel to Wind Waker, it still has that sense of like exploration and Hyrule feels really big, and like there's a lot to explore. I really like Phantom Hourglass, um, and I I think like sometimes it gets a bad reputation. 
my O is, and this is why I pulled the the brakes on instruments before, the Ocarina of mm-hmm. Time. Um, and really just ocarinas in general. Um, again, this is something that like they seed early in the Zelda series with like whistles, and the whistles uh, become an ocarina by, um, or maybe they just call it a flute in uh, Link to the Past. Um, but obviously by Ocarina of Time, it is a fully fledged thing, and you can play music on it. Like you can play, you can play pitches that have nothing to do with like functional things within the game it's not all warping around and unlocking doors you can just play music if you want to um and i always loved that uh bit about the ocarina uh, I, even though it is not spelled like this at all for the when i was a kid and i saw like the box i thought it was a cornea okay <laughs> that's just a fun fact you know something about me. No, it's, it's something good, about the way I pronounced uh, Ocarina. My P is the Parapa Desert, which is the uh, I, I don't know why I keep ca- calling out northeast corners of maps, but it is the desert in the northeast corner of uh, like the starting area of Zelda Two. It's where the first temple is, um, and it is like the first kind of stretch of desert that, or like the first kind of stretch of wild area that you have to like really go through. Um, even though there are like enemies coming at you and, you know, bringing up those like little, uh, what do you call it when like it brings up the screen, you have to like fight your way through enemies. Yeah. I don't know. Encounters. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and I always liked the like adventure and danger of that, especially early in the game before you've collected more like health containers. And when your health level, when your shield level is so low. Like, that stuff's really hard and really tricky. And there's also a good, like, secret uh, if you go around the east side of, like, the mountain range there uh, where you can get to, I think it's a, a heart container. Um, but, yeah, the, the Parapa Desert is one of my uh, favorite places in Zelda 2. So my P is the Philips CDI games. No, Mark, why? <laughs> so, okay. Wanda Gamelon. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Faces of Evil, yeah, and Zelda's Adventure. Great. So, a little bit short history about the Philips CDI. So, after um the play the Sony deal fell apart, where Nintendo was working w- with Sony on a CD peripheral for the Super Nintendo that eventually became the PlayStation. Um, the, S- Nintendo basically betrayed, like straight up betrayed Sony by uh signing this partnership with Philips to develop basically the same sort of thing that never ended up happening but what did come out of that is Philips got permission to like develop games using Nintendo IP for their Philips CDI which was like a game console type thing that they were working on or that actually released um it's like Hotel Mario came out of this mm-hmm. uh there was a version of Tetris and then these Zelda games. Three and, Zelda games. And these games Three are, of them. are notoriously terrible. You have probably seen, like, two of them, uh, The Faces of Evil and Wand of Gamelon, uh, are, were created by a company called Animation Magic. And you have probably seen some of the, like, clips from the uh, cutscenes with, like, a really whiny Link. Um, are, are the games something beyond just the cutscenes i always thought they were like a like an adventure uh like a point and click style i, 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 don't I have no idea not, so they're not a point and click adventure game they are like a 2d like side scrolling type action oh. game type thing Ugh. but what's what is also notable about these is that the wand of gamelon which is one of those like side scrolling view things 
and then Zelda's Adventure, which is a um like it had like a top down view. But those are notable because they're really for the longest time the only games in the series where you could play as Zelda. Uh and still largely true, like outside of the Hyrule Warriors game. Right. Uh like and Smash, I guess. Uh like the Zelda games don't want you to play as Zelda. No. But uh the Philips CDI games you know, the uh, games that launched a million memes. Yeah. Uh, well, you're a monster for bringing that up. <laughs> what, what's your cue? My cue is quests. Okay, so mine is quests, comma, second. Oh, okay. Uh, so why don't you tell me what you meant okay. by quests? So uh, the parts that are the most memorable to me about Majora's Mask yes. is that you spend all of... This time, and they're not like formal quests in the way that Breath of the Wild would have like a quest log, which I think was of like the first, a first for the series, outside of maybe like the um the, the 3D Majora's Mask, right? With uh, the oh no, bombers. Journal. Oh yeah, the bombers journal. Um, but yeah, like it was the first Zelda where because there were all these like recurring events, there were things that you could like. They really felt like events. That you could affect. Sure, yeah. And so you could go out of your way to, like, go on these quests and make these choices and, like, change the outcome of something or change people's lives or, like, make them better. The bummer of all of this is that everything gets erased every 72 hours. But the fact that you were able to, like, do that in such a blown-out way after you get a little bit of an ocarina of time uh, was really cool and is extremely memorable to me. Um, and my my take on quests is the the concept of the second quest or the master quest, um, which is just taking the original game and rearranging the location of things, upping the difficulty, and just making it like, hey, you liked Zelda, now play it again, but everything's different. I think the first time I became aware of like the master quest was on the Wind Waker, the Wind Waker yes. pre-order bonus. Yeah. You got the uh, Ocarina, Ocarina of Time, of time yeah. and then Ocarina of Time Master Quest on like a GameCube disc. Yeah, yeah, and that it it takes it rearranges all the dungeons. Yeah, the keys are in different. Like it's it's basically you know it's it's still the game. It's just all the specifics are different. Mm-hmm. So if you are used to sailing through the game, like you kind of get to experience it more or less fresh, which is crazy. Um, all right, my R uh is ravio my r is also ravio okay so that means that we are going to spoil a little bit some story elements from a link between worlds which is a game that if you have not played you absolutely have to it is worth going back to your 3ds even now even after we've been complaining about 3ds (laughs) um it it, it's a, a, a near perfect game uh but we're gonna spoil it so if you don't want spoilers skip ahead like two minutes or something uh ravio is uh, you encounter him as a merchant who is selling you stuff uh, in your own house. Um, he takes a, a sets up shop in your house and sells you all the items in the game. Uh, he, and that opens up the order that you approach dungeons and kind of retools the way Zelda games can be approached. Yeah, notable for that reason alone, because A Link Between Worlds was the first time in a long time that that Zelda formula of getting the item in the dungeon, using the item in the dungeon, and yeah. that's how the order you had to do things um, was broken. With right. this model, you had enough rupees, you could pretty much go anywhere you wanted first. Right. And that is arguably, like, part of, or like, it's the proving ground, sort of, for, like, the Breath of the Wild Totally. Um, that, like, 
you don't need to everything isn't uh like locked behind an item that is like event oriented that you're going to go from here to here to here to here to here it totally unlinears the game but ravio is so much more than just a mechanic that's right because the game is based around a high rule low rule dynamic uh where low rule is a kingdom that's sort of like a dark mirror version of high rule and as a result it has its own hero princess and evil dude um and uh ravio is like the exiled version of low rule link um and he's been hiding in plain sight in front of you the whole time uh so you're trying to save hilda is that her name Mm -hmm. the uh the low rule zelda um and it's not until like the very end that you realize that this dude that's been selling you stuff the whole time is the you from this dark universe it's so good yeah, I, I really like Ravio a lot. I do have to admit that in my head, I sometimes confuse his design with that of Nabbit from the uh, Super Very Mario Brothers purple series. Does Nabbit, Nabbit, he's a rabbit. He has ears. Yeah, but he like also Ravio. has like the weird like handkerchief, like yeah. smiley face thing. Yeah. Ravio's like a million times cooler. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's awesome. Um, so your S. My S is Secrets. Ooh. Um... Obviously, you know, like, uh, it's a secret to everybody Yep, is one of the most iconic lines in video game localizations. But also, I feel like one of the most fun things about playing Breath of the Wild when it first came out in back in March of 2017 was everybody was playing the game and having their own experiences yeah. and discovering things that I didn't know about. And so like when you learn it, it's like blowing your mind. Um, I remember when I learned that like uh, when Link stands on tables, it like really freaks out like the people in like the villages. Yeah. If uh, you, if you stand on like the counter of a store, they freak out. They yeah. don't like it. <laughs> Just like all that, like little yep. stuff that was like hidden in the game and when people found it it was so like it felt so amazing and revelatory um that's one of my favorite video game like times in my life just because it felt so like community oriented yeah well and like it made you realize that the game you were playing was like a hundred different games at once Mm -hmm. um that like you would see screenshots and videos of people doing things wearing clothes that didn't make sense to you uh, or like eating foods that you know you never like imagined or like uh, equipping things for buffs against like hazards that you didn't even know were in the game or like when you would stumble upon like i remember when i stumbled upon like the horse god thing that could resurrect your horses for you and you're like this is crazy right this belongs in the stage production (laughs) of of the lion king (laughs) and i love it Uh, my s is spell uh, and specifically, the spell called Spell from Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Um, it is uh, one of the magic spells that you get. First of all, Zelda 2 is so weird for having magic spells in it that you just like learn as a matter of course. And you have like a, a magic meter. Um, and uh, the spell spell just turns everyone into little slimes. That's it. <laughs> it's very strange and not that useful and uses too much magic. Uh, I was watching a speedrun of zelda 2 yes and they abuse the magic to like turn into a fairy yes because you can turn into a fairy and then and you're fairy for the keyholes. entire screen uh. so they would use it to just like basically go through dungeons yes because when there were um like enemies they didn't want to fight because they were like too low level they would yeah. just like fairy fly through over it. them yeah 
Uh, yeah, and you can fly through keyholes as the fairy, which is uh, an amazing uh, little feature. Which means I'm on to the letter T. Uh, I got to go with Terrytown mm-hmm. from Breath of the Wild. Uh, my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite uh, quest from Breath of the Wild is this ongoing thing uh, that is, is uh, sort of runs parallel to your main adventure where you are collecting people to move to this town that is nothing when you start it. Um, and uh, the buildings pop up and people start to visit it. And eventually the guy who like f- is founding it with you gets married to uh, one of the Gerudo that are, are, are living there. Um, and it's just awesome. It, the music is chill and amazing. Um, and it feels like Breath of the Wild is so much uh, a game about wilderness and about like survival. Um, but it becomes this uh, little beacon of uh, civilization. And, like, community. Yeah, and you put it there, mm-hmm. um, which is, it just rules so hard. It's incredible, and Terrytown's my favorite part of that game. And, you know, just, like, with so much of Breath of the Wild, it's, if you, because I think that the whole thing that kicks it off is, like, you have to buy the house. Yeah. Right? And then you have to, like, basically, you have to do an upgrades. You to have to do all yeah. the upgrades. That way the construction workers don't have anything, like, to hang around for anymore. Yes. So, like, it's very easily, it's very easy to miss this. Totally. Um, And so it's just one of those cool things that just makes the game feel so big. Yeah. Um, And so much like, like an adventure. So big and so, like, you are pulling uh, people and creatures from all over the map. Um, And it takes... Uh, such a long time in there. You go through periods where you're like not paying attention to it at mm-hmm. all because um, you're collecting like so much wood and so yeah. much like all these different things in order to advance it. Yeah. So my T is timeline, the Zelda timeline. Ooh. <laughs> One of the silliest parts mm-hmm. of Nintendo fandom is obsessing over like where games in the Zelda timeline like fit within each other right and chronologically the insistence that there are three timelines that come out of ocarina of time when one of them is based on the concept that link dies and (laughs) fails which means that there should be alternate timelines uh, for every game what i yeah what i love about it is that like i guess after so much like fan questions and like badgering nintendo's like fine we're putting out this timeline and then they immediately have regretted every single second of it. Right, because the question is always going to be, where does this go on the timeline? <laughs> right. And like you said, like the timeline is so insane. There's so many like different like branching paths to try to make it all work. You're like, yeah, I guess if I squint at this enough, like it kind of makes sense. I mean, I, th- I think it does make sense, uh, given it, you just have to accept the premise that there are three different ways out of Ocarina of Time instead mm-hmm. of two. Um, and like with with that premise i like the idea that there is uh like the wind waker timeline where the the whole world is flooded like i think that's cool um that that can be like a different version and like a that's a timeline that we can live in similarly i like that uh breath of the wild is one that's like it sort of unites the timelines mm-hmm. um and is maybe like far enough in the future that uh you know, you know the thing about Lost, uh, the TV show Lost, and like their approach to time travel is that they're like, uh, there's time is a river, and you can throw stones in the river, and like the water's just gonna go around it. Mm-hmm. And it's not until you throw a boulder in that like it creates a separate river. 
Um, and it seems like uh, all of uh, Ocarina of Time does is throw a bunch of stones in. And by the time we get it to all Breath of the Wild, it comes again. back together. Yeah, yeah. I, li- I like that as well. Uh, all right, you're you. Urbosa. Okay, the- so mine is Urbosa's Fury. <laughs> but go ahead, tell me about Urbosa. The Gerudo champion Yep. Um, from Breath of the Wild. My personal favorite champion. Um, just like so much attitude. Just uh, the design is awesome. Feels so like powerful. Yeah. Um, I just really love Urbosa. Urbosa's great. Um, there is like a a cutscene between like her and Zelda that I always really liked. Um, and like, cause so much of like Zelda's story in Breath of the Wild is about her like doubting her abilities uh-huh. or like her abilities actually being like kind of weak, and maybe that is why they fail when they when they fail. Um, but like Urbosa is like kind of giving her a pep talk and being like, "You can do it," and I always thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um. So my my take on it was Urbosa's fury. This is the power that you get uh when you defeat the divine beast in the desert. Um. And it is just like a charge up uh, attack that then like unleashes lightning. Um. And it using that was the when I was like, "Oh, I can take down lines." Yes, that's exactly what I was yeah. gonna say. Is once I got that, I was like. Uh, I'm like on to the Lionels. Yep, y'all Lionels, your days are numbered. Uh, three of you, and then I gotta go away for twenty right. minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, v? your V, yeah. My V is Valu, the Dragon God on uh Dragon Roost Island from Wind Waker. Um, this dragon is incredible. He is a giant cartoon, uh, and he's got his butt stuck in the volcano. <laughs> And he's so angry because his butt is stuck. And you got to take your little grappling hook and like swing around on his tail and just make him mad. I love it. He's the design for Valu is great. And is, is just a, it's a, a fun like boss fight. And it's uh, he, he's great. My V is Varuta, the um, divine beast from the like elephant one in the, in the Zora. Uh, yeah. Kingdom? In the Zora yeah. kingdom where, um, the, re- the approach to that one is great. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Like, uh, I like the uh, Divine Beast like puzzle itself where you're using the trunk and have to like reposition it oh, to yeah. get like yeah, yeah. to the different levels. But the approach to Valruta is by far my favorite approach in it's so uh, good. of the Divine Beast. Because you're like you're riding. You're riding on, Prince- on the back of Prince yeah. Sidon. Yeah. And Prince Sidon is awesome. The He's music amazing. is some of the best yes. music in the game. It's so like captures like the spirit of like adventure and it has like such a charging feeling to it. Um one of the most memorable moments for me in that game. Uh, uh amazing. Uh, what's your W? We Zapper. Oh, for Link's crossbow training. Cuz can we should not forget the Link's crossbow no. training was the fit is the Continues yes. to be the fifth best-selling, best-selling Zelda game in the U.S. Um, single-handedly sold millions and millions and millions of Wii Zapper peripherals. Uh, which could be used again on the Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles games and nothing else. <laughs> I'm sure there were other uses, but like, but what? I think it's just an on-rail shooter set in like the Zelda universe. And maybe your link behind it, but I think it's first person. I don't think you ever see. Oh, man. <laughs> I've never played that game, have you? I've never played that game either. Let's get our hands on some Wii Zappers and... Uh, and a TV. Oh, no, I guess it would work with any TV. Yeah, because yeah. it wasn't based on, like, light gun technology. Yeah. 
Um, my W is the White Sword from the original Legend of Zelda. Um, this is this like introduces the concept that there is a magical uh, master sword, uh, and that Link, when he is strong enough, when he has enough hearts, he can wield it. Uh, and I, you know, it's it, like a proto version of the master sword. They don't call it that, but it is basically the same thing that you end up using uh, in every game after uh, Link to the Past. I th- I forgot who's up for X. Uh, me, I'm up for X. Uh, and I'm going to. This is tough, right? Totally. Yeah. X is hard for alphabet games all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's exceptionally hard here. Uh, I'm using the X button to jump in Breath of the Wild. Nice. Because that's bizarre. Uh, it's the jump button is at the top of the face buttons. I can't think of another game that does that. <laughs> and I remember being like bewildered by it and trying to uh, when uh, Splatoon came out, going back and forth between the games. And Splatoon, the jump button is the bottom button, and it's the top in Zelda, and just being so confused. I remember trying to come back to Breath of the Wild when the Champions Ballad DLC came out, and having to like relearn those controls, and having the X button at the top was, or B jump, was crazy completely. And I know there's a way to change it, but like I think it just reverses it and puts uh it on the bottom. Um, But like, yeah, they they don't let you control their map in, in Zelda. Uh, so yeah, it was something that I always thought was weird. What what did you manage? Okay, for X? so for X, I cheated and did like you know the fighting game thing and treated it as yeah. cross right. instead of X. So I'm talking about crossovers. Mm. Uh, you can't see this, listeners, but I keep doing this like yeah, X he, he hand motion with my That's arms. Right. Um, uh, crossovers. Talking about Soul Calibur two. Yeah, when Zelda Put was Link in Soul, in there. yeah, Link when, was. when Link was yeah. in there, uh, Soul Calibur. Like that was mind blowing to me. Yep. That that could ever happen. Um, it also made that version of uh, was it Soul Calibur two? Mm-hmm. Um, like the version of the game to play. Yeah, because your uh, the alternatives were Spawn for Xbox. Yeah, and I forget who the PlayStation one was. was. It Snake or something? No, I don't think. I think Snake would have been pretty cool. Oh but yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was something. Oh, it was like Heihachi. Oh okay. From Tekken. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then also, like I mentioned, Mario Kart, mm-hmm. where Zelda shows up now. But it also goes the other way, especially in Link's Awakening, when you get Kirby as an enemy in there. Yep. Goombas as an enemy. Yoshi shows up, like in the Yoshi doll. Mr. Wright from the SNES yes. version of SimCity is in that game. It's definitely... Uh, Link's Awakening is just Zelda run amok. Like, it's so much fun. It's a fever like, dream, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, so crossover is my ex. Uh, that's very good. Also, uh, just to mention Cadence of Hyrule. Uh, so oh, that's yeah, like a, that's a, a great one, a, too. Crypt of the Necrodancer um, crossover with the Legend of Zelda series. Why, uh, Mark? Young Link. Great. Don't really have much to say about that one. It's a smaller uh, version of Link. Yeah. I mean, it is mind, mind-blowing the first time that you are playing Ocarina of Time and you have spent the whole game as a child and then to realize that there is an adult version of you. Mm-hmm. Um, just just unreal and then when you go back to being young link is just you know it it, it's it is mind-blowing we do take for granted the fact that young link exists yes whereas like because it's just like such a part of the series now but for sure the fact that there was like i i mean i guess like i never really considered link's age in the older games but especially in uh link to the past because everything's so like chibi yeah and cute like he seems so childlike to me, 
So when you get to the part in Ocarina of Time where you go to an adult, like the thought never crossed my mind. Right. Oh, and it, it's such a like pivotal part of that game because he's hiding out with the Kokiri. And like pretty far in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my why is the Yiga clan from Breath of the Wild. This is the band of bandits that hide out in the, uh, not, I was going to say the forest, but that's not right. In the desert. In the desert. Um, that are obsessed with bananas. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, it, it's, there's such a weird part of the game, right? Yeah. Because they have like a hideout that you, uh, infiltrate at one point. The game becomes like a stealth game for a little bit. And then, uh, when you fight the Yiga master, it's like a joke. It's like a joke fight where he, you like hit him a, a couple times, then he like falls down a giant hole forever. <laughs> um, and then throughout the rest of the game after that, his uh, minions are taking revenge on you by uh, appearing to be like wandering. Yeah, merchants. they're like in disguise. Yeah, and then they uh, like bust forth and like try to beat you up. It's such a weird. It's just another one of those things where you're like, here's this ongoing drama in this world that just sort of plays out in the background while you're doing whatever else you're doing. And it is so silly that they love bananas. I love that the like through line of that is when you are out in the world and you uh, defeat one of like the uh, secret in hiding. Yeah. Like in, the ones that are in disguise. They always drop, they bananas. Always drop bananas. Yeah. <laughs> like they had them in their pockets when they disappear. Yeah. Yeah, they they like them. lose them. They leave them behind. So that brings us to Z. Uh, I'm bringing the boring answer here. It's just Zelda. Patrick, I am also bringing the boring answer. Mine is Zelda as well. Here's the thing. The game is called The Legend of Zelda, but we hold the character of Zelda at arm's length for a lot of the series, mm-hmm. right? Um, she's always uh, is someone to be rescued, uh, but someone with like immense power, right? That there's always something about her that like she doesn't just need to be rescued. The kingdom needs to be rescued, and the best way to do that is to rescue her, right? Right. That, like, if only she were here and available to do what she does, everyone would be safe. Um, and I just think that's rad. I, uh, yeah, it is rad. It, it um, I do wish that she could be a more active player. Well, and when she is, I think that is awesome. Like, uh, but it's never re- in the form of Zelda, right? Like, it's like Sheik. Sheik from Ocarina of Time yeah. is awesome. Right. And you're like, yeah, like, uh, look, I know I'm the hero of time, but, you know, help me out a little bit. Right. And um, uh, and then Tetra. Yep. You know, like, kind of like the Zelda equivalent. Um, I mean, is she, she g- is. Right. Oh, yeah, I yeah. guess that's true. But, like, Tetra's awesome, right? Like, that form of Zelda is incredible. Uh, I And I, Zelda's ghost in Phantom Hourglass, like another like way in which she's like active and amazing. Yeah. And so I I, I like when Zelda is more of an active participant in yeah. that sort of way, for sure. Um I I can't believe that we are however many years into uh Zelda as as a franchise and there hasn't been a game where like you just control Zelda. Uh, you mean, I mean other outside than the CDI course, games? Yes, the CDI. Well, I think it's also strange that there hasn't been like something maybe there has and I'm just blanking on it. But in you know how in BioShock 2, um I guess spoilers for BioShock 2, there's a uh sequence towards the end of the game where you play as a little sister. Yeah. Um I'm surprised there hasn't been something similar or, you know, like in Resident Evil 4, you play as Ashley for a little bit. Sure. So I'm surprised there hasn't been something similar in a Zelda game where 
for a while you are controlling Zelda and you like see something from her perspective. Yeah, yeah, that that is really strange. She's only ever like a like an assist character or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um okay, that's it. We've done it. We've done our Zelda A disease. Uh Mark, let's close out this segment. Uh of course we would love to hear what your A's and B's and C's and et cetera are. Uh, so you should email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and let us know. Um, or if we miss something obvious for X besides uh, our sneakings around. Uh, anyway, um, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. Please share it on something, Facebook or Twitter other social media platforms as well that Mark and I are not aware of because we're too old TikTok uh, I guess Instagram we're not too old for Instagram we're just too lazy for it I think you can follow us on Twitter I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers Mark is at MKE Mitchell and the show is at Nincart Society we also have a Facebook page which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society Olivia Duncan made our logo our theme music is provided by 8 Betty you can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. That's right, Nintendo Cartridge Society listeners, what is going down? Are you ready for a promo? Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Muriel. And we're the hosts of Hella Hella in Your Your 30s. 30s. A podcast about a cool couple trying to do adult stuff. So each week we invite you to join us as we try to learn things we should probably already know, like how does a stock market work? Can we install that bidet? Why are all of our houseplants dying? This is a podcast for people of all ages, because remember... Age ain't nothing but a number. But being Hella in Your 30s is a state of mind. So tomorrow's a new day, let's order pizza. Campfire.